Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Group Therapy presented to you by Eurooptic. Today, I have Jason and Derek here with me, and today we are going to be covering ELR. So, conversation we always get here in the office is, what is ELR and what makes it? So, What are some unique challenges that you face when shooting ELR instead of just normal sort of long range. So, Jason, if you're awake, I want to ask about uh, what is your sort of what's where does it start? Where does it start for you? I would have to say beyond a mile. Beyond a mile. See, I was thinking close to the fifteen, sixteen hundred. Yeah, I'm right on, before it. I mean, if you look at competition wise, like King of Two Mile, typically first target they engage on day one's fifteen hundred. Same with NRA ELR. So that's kind mm-hmm. of where. And I view it as, especially like if you're looking at it from competition standpoint, but when you really break down into things, I will say about a mile is it, where you got to look at into it. It's somewhere in, in that 260 yard range that we've kind of given here because it's outside the max effective range of most rounds on the market. So it takes a little bit of a more specialized caliber, scope, rifle. There's more to consider. There's more things to check when shooting that versus sort right. of normal long range out to, you know. It's changed with time, too. So. I mean, of course, ELR, 10 years ago, I would have said beyond 1,000. Yeah, ELR in the 1800s was like mm-hmm. 200 yards. So, I mean. But shoots and fest. <laughs> no, <now laughs> Who was that Civil War guy that got <laughs> shot in the neck? He, he was on his horse. He said, uh, you know, his uh, guys were, were, you know, staying ducked down out in the middle of Gettysburg or something. And he's on his horse. He said, what are you ducking down for? Those guys couldn't hit it uh an elephant at this range, and he was instantly shot in the neck by some <laughs> marksman. I think from like three hundred yeah, yards like th- away. Yeah, it was like three seventy-five or four hundred yeah. with an old sharps rifle with yeah. the old brass tubes optic on it. And then yeah. now look where we're at today. <laughs> yeah, a little bit advanced. Yeah, but I was going to say, carrying on with that, um, where do you guys see starting caliber wise? I want to get into this. Where are we looking caliber, bare minimum? Uh, a hot. To hit to hit the mile. To hit the mile break, you're talking? Correct. And Minimum? Consistently, not just launching rounds downrange to just say, not, not I hit it a mile. mile. A hot 6.5, I'd say, is probably minimum. Hot 6.5 mag or 300 mag. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've seen, I mean, th- there's a few sevens that could probably do that. 20, well, that still counts. 28 6.5 mag and above. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Looking at it that way. Yeah, so, yeah. 6.5 PRC. But same thing as, I mean, well, looking at what you're running into is... You're running them that hot. You're melting bullets. Well, they've kind of defeated that theoretically at this point. So I can tell you the old Amax, though, they're melting on me now. But Well, I that's why they that, made the ELD, right? Yeah. 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 But, uh, I mean, as far as calibers, I mean, we, we'll get into this, I'm sure, here in a second. But it's, it's about way more than just the caliber itself. Like, I oh, have absolutely. some data that we can kind of well, yeah, starting. I mean, here. we're starting with caliber. Uh, I'm going to hopefully be shooting a match that goes out to 2k uh later this year and my intention is to run 65 prcs to make it you know something that will still be competitive there but give me an advantage on handling so when you say handling do you mean like the rifle like a smaller rifle uh all all around okay. everything either whether it's carrying the rifle fielding the rifle driving the rifle but also being able to get back on and see the impact, which well, is the single most important thing in precision shooting. Yeah, well, you said that about a million times so far. Yeah. But the thing is, when you're shooting that far, you can recover from a 50 cal recoil and be, and be 
back on target. You have way more time to recover. This is out to 2000, though. No, it's not starting at 15. It's starting at zero. Oh, okay. Well, there's, there's that. Because you'd say most of the time out of a 6.5 Creed or PRC, you'd be able to see your own impacts, depending on your scope setting, of course, and all that, starting at, what, three to 400? Yeah. How heavy the gun is, how good uh, if you're running a brake or can or... A typical sort of match gun, you know, 15 pounds or so, 16 with pounds. With a brake. With a brake. Decent yeah. shooter. Scope, I would say 300. That. I would say that's a that's a fair assessment mm-hmm. is 300 yeah. that you can spot your own impacts. Yeah. Um now shooting a 300 win. Um, I'd say closer to 400 on that one. That was a that was with a, a hunting good, rifle with a hunting rifle. Good break. I can see at about 375, 400. But it's yeah. been. It takes a lot to get used to. It takes a lot to get used to. Got to be a really good position too. Correct. It does. So it a does. lot of variables. Yeah. But going back into this, let's kind of hit on before we dive deeper into the whole caliber thing. <laughs> let's hit on data. ELR yeah. is pretty much being a mad chemist both it, both environmentally and when it comes into the reloading room or just getting dope from out of your kestrel or whatever ballistic solver you use yeah um i've got some data here that i've kind of uh pre-positioned and uh, normally we want to see um a good spread between your velocities you want to keep the well the a small spread a, between. a tight es yes that's yep. right so typically you'd say for factory ammo what would you say a good es would be plus or minus Factory ammo? Factory first. We'll talk, we'll talk hand loads in a second. Probably under 50 is good for factory. Under 50. I mean, I've seen great factory ammo with, and again, custom rifles and stuff. I mean, if you're seeing 15 to 20, I mean, that's awesome. So I did a calculation here. But most of the time, you're right. It's about 25 feet per second. But so you can get 15 to 20. If you're shooting a 300 normal. Are you talking plus or minus or ES? Plus or minus. Okay, I'm talking ES. Oh, Specifically gotcha, ES. Gotcha. So, okay. so here, under 50 here, is good. Correct. Yes, extreme spread. I was talking plus or yeah. minus 15. So you're looking at about 30 ES. So here, here's how I did this one. At a, well, with a 300 Norma, uh, 10 feet per second, higher low, plus or minus 10 stick feet with, per second. Stick with ES, then everyone's on the same train here. Okay. So 20 Whatever. ES. 20 ES. Okay. Um, it, at uh, 1,000 yards, that would produce about an inch and a half difference of so impact. three inches extreme spread versus yes. 20 feet per second extreme spread at 1,000. Right. right. So mm-hmm. it would create that much on target. If you push that out to 2,000 yards, which the 300 norma can definitely hit, uh, that turns into two feet. And you're off target at that point, depending on what you're shooting at. So 20, 20 feet extreme spread at 2K mm-hmm. turns into two foot extreme spread vertical. Yes. So monitoring your muzzle velocity, because I think a lot of uh, what comes down to ELR, and that's kind of related to this rifle, actually. This is a 375 Shintec. Uh, a quick aside on the 375 Enabler. Isn't the whole point of that cartridge to be more consistent on the velocity, even though it's a little bit slower than the, than the Shintec? Over time. Over time. I believe it is over mm-hmm. time, as in barrel break-in, just you're getting more consistent velocity in a barrel because mm-hmm. you're not changing it as quickly was, okay. the, was yeah. the deal. Got it. So the point is, it's not so much the velocity itself, which is important, but the consistency, the the tolerance for consistency is way higher right. when you're doing ELR. Cause right. it's, it's more forgivable. At it's, it's like drag, drag racing tires. Yes. Yeah. The barrels turn into drag race tires then mm-hmm. at that point, not normal yeah. car or truck tires. Right. It's a great analogy. So your your window is much narrower 
your window mm-hmm. of precision, your window of required precision is much narrower. Yeah, I mean, just the rifle has to shoot. Circling back quick to your 20 feet ES, yeah. causing three inch at 1,000. Mm-hmm. That's what I always operated under mm-hmm. when I was shooting 1,000-yard bench rest, mm-hmm. was I wanted to see an ES under 20 because it would it would allow a world record level amount of vertical. Yeah, which is sub, sub, I don't know what it is now, but. Sub three, for sure. 10 shot at Williamsport. That was light gun as well. So for me, I never did heavy gun stuff, but that, so that was kind of my, it had to be under 20. Mm -hmm. But I mean, hand loads these days, I mean, people, we all hand load. You guys get a bit more into it than I do. I mean, what are you getting for an ES or however you'd say it? I'm still basically running. 20. I mean, I'm only hand loading for the 22 Creed right now, and again, mm. under, it, it is for, under 20 with my practices. But you so. haven't felt the need to get more precise with that round. It's just not no. necessary. No, because I'm doing, you know, field varmint stuff. Not you, that's how I am. Trust. That's you how I am with be, my 65 Creed. More, I'm in the same way in my hunting guns. If I'm seeing 30. 40 ES, mm. oh, I'm happy. Give it another consideration. You, yeah. you could be Kiefer and take an X-Acto knife and start slicing kernels in half. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Boyd used to uh, take, he, he would he would separate his primers by Way weight primers, and all that sort yeah. of stuff. I mean, that's that's pretty advanced stuff, but I mean, I don't When do you're that. trying to shoot a flat line at 1,000, that's yeah. something you want to look and, at doing. And, I mean, ELR hand-loading, I mean, when you're looking at consistencies, Same because thing. that's something, mm-hmm. it's a controlled variable. And yeah. that's one thing when you talk with ELR shooters. If you can control it, you got to. Exactly. Yeah. That's a controlled variable. So having such as like an auto trickler that weighs down to the exact kernel mm-hmm. and weighing your primer, sorting your brass, weighing your bullets, checking BCs of your bullets, making sure they're less than 1%, all that compared to where, which we'll get into a little bit later, is environmentals. Well, the whole drive that's of all of that. something you can't mm-hmm. control. The whole drive of all of that is... Shrinking that ES to shrink that vertical. Because more, the vertical is the thing yep. you can't control. More right. consistent data is yeah. being able to have the most consistent data is what's going to make Work. you successful. Mm-hmm. Say ELR. vertical is not that you can't control, but you can't account for it once that once yeah. it's gone. You have a fixed vertical window as it goes out, and you can't make it smaller. Right. Correct. Now, you had, had uh, touched on the atmospherics and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you can't change that, even though we're told that humans are changing the uh, climate. So... Um, <laughs> What you need to do more so on that front is record keeping yep. and observation. So having your Kestrel, I mean, uh, typically altitude, temperature, good enough to record on a basic level for most shooters. But when you're going out, you need to be able to record not only, even if you're shooting at the same spot, you need to be able to check your, your actual pressure that day, your temperature. You need to be monitoring that to a much tighter scale than than you would just kind of casually shooting a thousand yards. And that's really only if you're trying for a first round hit, which isn't always needed in this in these games. But, but if you know, but yeah, if you look at if you look at competition, I know there's for especially King of Two Mile, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where this whole ER thing originated from. You get bonus points for first round impact, yeah. so that's even huge. You get an extra. I forget the exact percentage, but it's a very high percentage for first round impact. So that's mm-hmm. even more important than saying hit number five because it goes off of a points chase to go out to that two-mile target. So that's right. so that's where you're looking that's at. That's where you'd benefit from that. Is being yeah. able to say, okay, what is my load doing today in this environmental condition and being mm-hmm. able to true that up with whatever ballistics offer you're using. And I know, yeah. I mean, the Good range finder as well, for sure. I mean, yeah, two miles, pretty obvious. That'll be pretty strictly maintained. But, I mean, a good range finder, 
you'd need to know exactly how freaking far you're shooting because if you're off by just a couple yards, I mean, that bullet's coming down so fast at 2K, 2,500, 3,000 yards. I mean, that can make a pretty good difference as well. Same thing with spotters, too. Being able to have... That's tough. ...is having a good spotting scope and as well as a good spotter as well. That's somebody that's been around mm-hmm. at that. Team of people watching different areas behind <laughs> Exactly, yeah. because at that point, you're losing trace. Yeah. When you're launching them at that distance, you're losing trace, and it's going to be you're watching for... Now, you have hit sensors and stuff on the plate, so it's yeah. going to flash at you, but on a miss, you're looking for a speck of grass that flopped yeah. or a rock that rolled back down behind the target. So two things on that. Uh, first, spotter. Yeah, you're... You have to see a smaller detail at a much farther distance. Even though we're sending big old rounds at at 2K+, plus, they're not going to hit with enough power to really make a big old splash in a hole in the ground. So being able to see that tiny little disruption in the, in the soil or the grass, whatever it is that you're shooting near, uh, being able to see that requires a really good spotter scope and that and of course that's going to be a bit of money um the last time i shot 2k we were using a swarovski um str80 with with a reticle and such we turned that reticle almost off it was just barely visible it was perfect and uh we we had that we also had that magneto speed hit finder or or that hit indicator and uh before i've shot there before they used to have a camera system so they had a camera that was in front of a piece of steel about 10 yards in front of the target, and they had a a, uh, directional antenna that would send that signal all the way down the little trail that it was on, and you could see it on your phone. It was really neat to make your shot and then look at your phone, and three, four seconds later, you know, you can see that hit. And another interesting thing that you'll see in more field situations at Mm -hmm. that range when the bullet's coming down at such an angle, if the angle of the ground is perpendicular to it and it becomes really hard to see yes yep. yeah we were yeah. shooting at a place out out uh, around a mile to 2k 21 and the angle it was a pasture you know yeah like a hill, hilly mm-hmm. mountain area mm-hmm. down in west virginia and the angle was near very near perpendicular to the bullet impact and if it was not dry totally bone dry out there with a big round but it's not I like mean, it was it was soaking up 338s not like couldn't see a thing on a trimmed by a cow, pasture <laughs> field with the grass yeah. half inch high because of that angle. Yeah, couldn't see a thing. So and it's like not. It's like swan diving into a pool versus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the nice thing. Was one of our. I shot two K. The furthest was we were in Arizona shooting on the side of a rock cliff. So that was awesome. Mm-hmm. That, so yeah, you see so it worked there. out yeah. awesome because yeah, you could see right in on the rock cliff and then watch for a splatter. And also, you don't get too much mirage when you're high above Elevated, the ground there. Yeah. So if you're just Correct. shooting, as I was in Florida, it was. It was a trail. Yeah, and Florida, I mean, we we had to get there almost at, you know, the dark of morning. That way we're starting before that freaking sun comes up and starts baking all that stuff. But if you have the ability to shoot over nothingness, basically like a valley, you know. And that's what we were. So we didn't have the mirage issue, but it was the wind because there's really no good way to read it because it was just coming up out of that in in a big roll. Yep. And you really had no idea. And yeah, it was when you start getting a vertical component to wind, that makes things <laughs> it was almost possible. It was yeah, almost yeah. five it was almost seven to ten mils mm-hmm. because of that rollback. We yeah. were getting vertical on it. And it, you just really had no idea what was going on because there was no good way to and read it. And then you just have to shoot quick. Yeah. Unless <laughs> yeah. you unless you let a smoke bomb off in the bottom of the canyon, that'd have been about that'd have been about the only way to be able to tell. What about optics? What would you look for for optics when you're considering let's say a mile to two thousand yards, um, 
maybe 3,000 yards, depending on how you're doing it. But um, First focal plane with a ton of travel. Travel, travel. travel forgiveness. Travel, lots, lots of it. So uh, magnification for 2,000 yards, I mean, if you second, had to set a minimum. Second consideration. Second yeah. consideration, yeah. 25. 25 power. Yeah, I'd say for 2,000 yards, absolute minimum, probably 20. Uh, with really good glass, I'm talking like depends on your target too. If it's a correct. if it's it a does. real ELR type match, the targets are big. Yeah, I took a stupid target out to we ended up being about eighteen oh five with a six five Creed and a tangent twenty five. Mm-hmm. But I was shooting at a popper, <laughs> you idiot. which is a that was the convenient <laughs> target I had handy. I hit it, but it was so you know it's a little dude silhouette twenty eight yeah. inches tall I believe, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it was a small target. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, with the size of, of uh, targets, I do want to touch on that for a brief moment because every couple months we see this this article, you know, so-and-so, World usually record. it's someone from Texas. <laughs> yeah. You know, Texas shooter hits a, hits a target at 87,000 yards, whatever, and you're like, Jesus, that target is the they – they didn't get a target. They just got a garage door. I mean, even though as far as the MOA size, it is appropriate, like one MOA target, but at the same time, it's – what's the – where's the – Where's the limit here? How much is it getting pretty ridiculous as far as how big these targets are? As yeah. far as their what's, size? What's the like, point? What's the that point? That, you know, you know? If, if you're if you can't regularly get pretty close, I don't know. I, I mean, it's entertaining. It's entertainment only at that point. For shooting a target of a, of a prescribed MOA, it's still very impressive. But to me, I like to keep a more more of a practical sort of use of the rifles so things like you know i'm not the one to hunt long range but uh, you know can you shoot can you shoot um a reasonably sized target at 2,000 yards on the first go or on the second go you know uh, a target the size of a of a barn door okay maybe but you know vehicle people like to like to like to replicate the types of shots seen in military snipers and that sort of thing but uh when you're shooting a target that's 10 feet by 10 feet at whatever distance i mean okay i mean i i get that but yeah moa target moa size per distance i would say is very something that you got to look into yeah as to what is considered elr is it just like what we talked about earlier because there is a very fine line between just launching rounds down range mm-hmm. maybe not in the most safest manner versus Actually, having what, data. Just turning your rifle into an anti aircraft gun, basically? Pretty much. Just seeing where it lands? Let's launch it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, we're getting very near max range on yeah. rounds at this point. Yeah, at, exactly. At, at the well, next one, you just have to take one of these into orbit, fire it straight at the Earth. <laughs> and I was going to say, yeah, because actually, I mean, we may be near max range. I don't know. I have to dig out Hatcher's notebook and see, but we got I think well, 50 yeah. cal max range is around seven miles, maybe. Seven miles? Yeah, I think. I think. I it's, it's, what if you just, I if you just, if you just, 20 years, <laughs> but. Yeah, but it's just send it. But it's, send not, it it's not forty-five degrees though. No, it's like thirty-seven. Thirty-one. There's drag. Yeah. There's, yeah, drag. Yeah. So because for for this confirmed hit in competition is forty-one thirty-seven. Okay. Yards in competition. In competition. Yeah, th- there is a world record standard. You were talking about. No, you were talking about yeah, that. Yeah. So the world record standard is, and I've every time you kind of get online, it always seems to change. But yeah. the requirement for it is. Three shots has to be first round impact. So you have to hit first round impact and like then that. your second, then two consecutive shots after that. And so, like, you can attempt it more than once in a day, but mm-hmm. I believe it's an hour or two hours that to you consider it a cold bore. To consider yeah. it a cold bore. Three feet, three That's shots. Good. Yep. 
Yeah. It's a 36, yep, 36 by 36 inch plate. Not only is it actually cold bore, because these barrels don't take that long to actually cool off, but it's a matter of the conditions have changed in such a way where you can't just sit there with 500 rounds of ammo and just start lobbing it until you hit a few times and just call it. Yeah, yeah. And call it cold bore, exactly. It requires. That's what I'm talking it's about. It's a that's total exactly reassessment of the condition, really. Yep. That's yes. All. Yes. That's exactly what I'm it's talking about. Not as about. much to the gun, mm-hmm. you know. Really, the the original cold bore meaning would be first shot of the day, right? And that's where you know, if you're talking like tracking your hundred yard zeros or something, mm-hmm. that's more meaningful. But in this case, they're just making it, calling it cold bore. Because in an hour, I mean, the wind has changed. I mean, the I just, changed we're every, more every, like a hunting scenario is where tracking right. cold bore is going to be way more important because you right. have one shot to get it done. Where cold yeah. bore definition here is a total reassessment of environmentals. Exactly. And that works for me. Yeah, just, I agree. Just the other night when we were out shooting groundhogs out to 1,100 yards mm-hmm. <clears throat> at our position, um, we could feel next to nothing. It was only... For, for only, only, yeah, and I had to, st- if I could stand up, like, l- mm-hmm. down prone or, or sitting, mm-hmm. spotting, <clears throat> I felt nothing. Right. I had to stand up, and then I could sometimes feel it on my cheek, so, you mm-hmm. know, one to two miles an hour. Yeah. And over the span of two hours, we ended up having to correct eight-tenths of a mil in either direction. And oh, we so could it, never, so was... at any time, feel that change. Well, no, it, it changed. It wasn't fishtailing. Okay. It wasn't changing that quick, but it changed yeah. over the course of, in two hours, it had mm-hmm. a 1.6 mil swing mm-hmm. in the opposite direction. That works. And we never felt it. Right. And that's, you know, running mm-hmm. a 22 Creed at 1,100 yards. Getting back to scope, you <laughs> kind of drifted off on a tangent, or this mm-hmm. is a vortex. So, um, we say we like a, a lot of travel. And so, I've, travel first. Travel first. Power secondary, 25 minimum. Right. Yeah, twenty-five minimum. I'd but would say you put good. glass quality? Would would you put glass quality over power, or would you put power over glass quality? Well, there's at, a certain degree to that. At the point, at the point what, where trying to check a box off, like you're going down through what boxes as you go down the line. What well, your the glass one quality through five. will kind of follow. If you've got a high power scope with that much travel, you're getting into the level of stuff where it's not as much of a concern. I would say. Right. I mean. 24 versus 25, you're not noticing that. No. 20 versus 25, okay, that's now we got to start to weigh that. And it's it's really a tough call because something like, uh, I don't know, like a, what about NX8 32 power versus ATAC guard 25 power? Mm-hmm. Now it's Well, a you're out of the travel game in that case. Exactly. So Correct. that's something that you have to worry about. Um, as far as how much you need, a lot of people just go right for the, the magnification and don't even consider the power. And we, and we often have these uh, conversations. We, we uh, talk to the customer. I'm like, what are you shooting? And they're exactly, what are you shooting? What's your drop at yep. the expected range? And uh, how does that influence your scope? Now, my 300 PRC, I have a, a Collis 525 mm-hmm. on. It's got 29 mils of travel. I have that on a 20-minute air attack mount. So about six mils. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to round some numbers here for that. I did find out that... Uh, I would run out, let's see here, at 1,800 yards, I'd run out of travel. So if I want to shoot 2,000 yards, I'd have to hold five more mils. Which so is simple. It is, it, it's simple, but I mean, people need, need to know that if you have a super high-powered scope, like let's look at this Vortex real quick. 6 to 36. 636. This is an MOA one. So at full magnification, I'd say practically 
you're seeing six and a half mils probably. Well, this is the this is MOA sixteen. <clears throat> you're seeing the sixteen MOA marker, so that's about what four or five mils. Five, 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 five. Yeah. five. yeah. So in this instance, at max power, that's what you would say. So yeah, most most time on a twenty five, you're seeing eight to nine mils. Mm-hmm. I yeah. believe twenty five power. I can practically see twenty four MOA. So um, that's about what eight, seven, 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 six seven mils. Seven. Yeah. So basically, when you're figuring out how how far can you shoot with your proposed situation you can factor in your your scope travel your mount slope to it and then how much of that reticle can you see at the desired magnification now uh craig harrison i think the british sniper he he had that 20 was it 2700 yard 338 kill on uh, Mm -hmm. some taliban machine gunners he had he had a schmidt 525 i think with an h59 reticle if i'm not mistaken uh he had to back his scope down to 15 power so i heard because the bullet was dropping outside not only the the travel of the turret but also the field of view of the scope at higher power at 25 so he backed it down to 15 and then made those shots i I had to do that back in the day Mm -hmm. first time i actually shot beyond a thousand Mm -hmm. i I only had a 308 so Mm -hmm. i provided a venue for some other guys yeah and they brought big guns. I just had my 308, and this was back in 2002. And 1,400 yards is where we started. And I had dialed, I had an old uh, 5 to 22 NXS, mm-hmm. dialed 70 MOA. And I had to run the power all the way down to 8 to hit. And I hit, hit on third shot, mm-hmm. track, walked it in, hit on third shot. Mm-hmm. Ended up being like 70 or 72 MOA total. I had to back calculate. I actually did the math afterwards. <laughs> right. Back calculated to see... If how it came in, you know, according to the uh, to the calculation, it was very yeah. close to what yeah. JBM in the day. So yeah. there are examples of people making you can make it work. It's not ideal though if you're holding. It's out of far center. from ideal. Yeah. Yes, yeah, but yeah. Uh, if we're talking the the utmost in practicality with acceptable deviations for okay, it's 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 going to be a challenge, but you can make it happen. That's kind of where we're sticking to. Of course, you know, one power for every. 100 yards ideally but once we start getting to these really really far shots and distances you might have to kind of abandon that right yeah so, the good news is the targets are bigger and scopes are out these days that give you the the magnification and the travel so usually i mean take uh take that nxs for example you had a 5f22 that's had 110 minutes i used to have a, an 8 to 32 that had 65 which was absolute garbage yeah yeah you know, i bought that before i really knew what i was doing and uh, and ironically, I had to shoot it at 22 power anyway because it was second focal plane, and that's where it, the reticle is obtained. Yep. But um, nowadays, you can but have... back then, that was... That was the hot ticket. Pretty much the top-end yeah. scope. Yeah, that was 2010 or so, uh, 11. Well, okay, not quite. So, so there was some me. other... This, yeah, I mean, like I was the PM2 was it. still out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, PM2's been out for about 1,000 years now. So, um, but... Uh, this scope's a good one for that. The ATAC R735's got yep. 100 minutes of travel. Maybe a, a bit more. People are saying that it actually clicks a little bit more than 100. Oh, but yeah. I got a buck 30 on one of the original mm-hmm. pre-pro yep. scopes. Right. So, I mean, but if we're just going off of the published figures, which we have to, um, it's still plenty sufficient. PM2 is going to have the, the MOA equivalent of about 88, mm-hmm. 90 um, in, in mils, of course. So, I'm, I mean... It's one of those things that people really have to pay attention to. When then you, then you get into 
the mount scenario. To I was just getting yes. ready to go in. Yeah, about. go into that. So this, for example, um, forty minute rail, yep. right? Yep. So, and that's kind of what I was going to pose. That question is that's a big question we get at. Mm-hmm. What is the best mounting option I can? And now, when we're talking ELR, most of our zeros are going to be you have to be at three hundred. But the guys that are running the six fives to the three hundred PRCs, a lot of them still want to zero at. 100 yard because yeah. it's agreed Me too. I'm, I'm the same <laughs> I'm, way i'm still on 100 i'm good there um and that's just because with us out here it's easy we can it's a lot easier to find a 100 yard range than a 300 yard range yeah. so it also depends on whether you're from. building a dragster yeah or whether you're building uh something you want to be able to take off road and on road and yep. also a big bore is it, it, it's more difficult to see exactly where that where the center of that group is relative to your your uh, paper bullseye because if you're if you're shooting a 50 cal and you have a one minute group, your your dot could could be somewhere in that ragged <laughs> yeah. in that you're in that your, hole. Your yeah. center aim point. Yeah. So when you have a 300 yard zero, those rounds spread out enough that way there's paper between each hole, mm-hmm. and you can see exactly Maintain where the center of that point. group is yeah. compared to where the center of your bullseye was. So it's not as big a deal, but you I mean, just do an offset zero at 100 as well if that's you could, issue. but I mean it's. Getting it's tech. just weird. It's yeah. just weird. But I'm just saying, that's that's what I pay attention to. Typically, you're seeing 40 MOA setup. I'd say that's kind of... Well, on, on the gun. On, on the gun. gun. Then, then well, you for have an ELR the gun. of uh, adjustable mounts. Yes. Yeah, but basically, if you want a closer in zero, say 300 and in, mm-hmm. make sure that your slope, combination rail mount, or just rail, like in this case... No more than half. Right? No more than half your scope's travel. Yep. So this scope's got uh, 130 MOA of total travel. So uh, theoretically, I'd like to see no more than 65 MOA um, on that. So this is 40. I could afford to put a 20-minute mount on this and still be good, still be able to get it closer in zero. Mm-hmm. That's how I had my my 375 was an ATAC R, 525. 60 MO on the... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a same situation, 40-minute yeah. rail. Oh, uh, it was 40. Is this 40? No, I mean yours. I was thinking it was 60 yeah, total, or 60 in the rail. Right. That yeah. was 40 rail, 20 on the air attack, and I was about 3 MOA from the bottom of the scope. And I was still, and that, and that was 100 yards zero, actually. So and there's another consideration, too, mm-hmm. um, when you're trying to milk all of the travel out of a scope. Mm-hmm. Operating in that last 10% top or bottom is not really the greatest place to be because you'll be tilting that erector so far. You know, you're, you're, looking, mm-hmm. you're looking through the edges of the erector the glass quality will suffer, and you're you get know, that you're maxing out the spring. Well, you like get the, the crescent, yeah, the crescent shadow at the, at the, the very, crescent. very edge. Uh, yeah, but then just in general, the quality of image will suffer, and maybe you're going to be at the edge of the spring, you know, tension to where you could have some wonky things possibly as well. But biggest I thing is the quality of the image suffers, field of view suffers, no yep. big deal. I think the last but, part you said, I don't think that's relevant for the, the top quality scopes that people are off. Possibly. On. I think we're fine there. But also, what would you do? What would be your method if you need to be able to hit, say, 2,000 yards with your gun and you're not able to get your closer in zero? What are some methods? Like if you're, you're outside the limits of, of the optic at both long range and, and close range. So get your 300-yard get your dope. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking so, past 300. So Okay, so your 1,000-yard drop, say it's mm-hmm. 7 mils. Mm-hmm. So you just zero 7 mils high at 100 mm-hmm. and call it 1,000-yard zero. Right. Because you can get, because getting 1,000-yard zero, I mean, obviously your group is bigger, so mm-hmm. your your 
precision and accuracy are suffering because of distance. Mm -hmm. So you take what your prescribed dope is, say seven Mm -hmm. mils, Mm -hmm. and you zero seven mils high at 100, and you have a really good 1,000-yard zero. Either that or something pretty much a a different version of the same thing is you you max your turret out down and do your group at one to 300 yards somewhere in there where you want it. See how high it is. You can measure that either build in that offset, building the offset into your, your Kestrel or whatever reloading, I'm sorry, whatever ballistic software that you're running, you can program into it. My, my, my hundred yard group is nine inches high and then it will do the rest from there. Yeah. And that's also handy if you're doing a zero and you're in between clicks on these mill scopes. I've done that before. Yeah. When, I mean, when the system has the precision to tell you that. When it does, which. But I've had that one time with. Yeah. But I mean, Schmidt Bender kind of kind of alleviates that now with their, their .05 clicks now, which is right, nice. Right. Yeah. So they're 327 to 545. And then you've got the Vortex that can click in between. For your zeroing, yeah, because yeah. when. You uh, loosen this and you dial smoothly. You zero with no clicks, which right. is very nice. Yes. And then you can just index it to zero. So there is that. I was going to say, and then something else here that we see very common on ELR that we haven't touched with is, and we get this asked, I went to an ELR match. What's the thing that's on the rail right in front of the scope? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a prism of some sort. What's There's a common one out there. I forget what it's called. The Charlie? Yep, Charlie Tac Q. Yeah, it... It offsets the incoming image by a prescribed amount. Yep. Say 100 MOA, 200 MOA, or mil, whatever it is. Nightforce makes, or used to make. They still do. Well, Charlie, so the guy behind the Charlie Tarek, Mm -hmm. Mr. Baker, Mm -hmm. um, he came up to me many shot show years ago Mm -hmm. and started talking about this thing. And I know we talked about some improvements to his original design, which I think he put into it. Mm -hmm. Some magnets, I believe, were one of my original... uh, uh, ideas for them. For what? Um, for to get it up out of the way or for attachment or whatever. I don't remember this because this was years ago. Okay. This was probably yeah, this is aluminum. eight years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, within the device. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, he, he that all started with him as far as I know. So, and I That's think Nightforce is the only other one that makes it. I'm not sure what's going on with, with that whole scenario, but um, yeah, having the prism is pretty interesting. So I always try and do a mechanical. I'm I'm not a huge prism fan just because mm-hmm. it's adding another variable that I don't like. And one more lens. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, for those that might not understand what we're talking about, it's a piece of glass that sits in front of your scope, and it offsets the incoming light by that angle. By a so, prescribed amount. So mm-hmm. one way to think about it is, let's say you have a dope, the Night Force one, they, they do a 50 MOA one and 100. And 100. So let's say you have a target out at whatever distance is 50 MOA. You could either dial that out of the turret or you can leave it at zero, put that 50 right in front of it and then hold dead on. Yeah. And then when you want to shoot further, then you can dial further. So it's like a, it's like a, a travel sort of booster, mm-hmm. which is a really neat idea. But we're st- I think the market is still in the discovery phase of that thing. It's still kind of fringe, but it, it looks like it, it uh, certainly has potential. Right. It's definitely grabbing traction at King of Two Mile most to be able to be easier because of the confines the of <laughs> current yeah. scopes. Really. Yeah, I mean, no one, I mean, 
there are highly specialized rigs that are used to shoot that far. I mean, something like this, this is a relatively practical setup. You can shoot close and far, but those rifles that are commonly seen at the King of the Two Mile are purpose-built. The scopes are like nine mm -hmm. inches over bore. That way, when you angle them down, you can see over the muzzle mm. uh, and that sort of thing. Those are those are purpose-built sort of race guns, so to right. speak. That's your dragster, your dragster yeah. That's yeah, your I was going to say. Well, and then mm -hmm. other than the prism, then mm -hmm. you've got adjustable mounts, which yes. we've got the air attack, which are more meant to be a set it and forget it kind of deal. Mm -hmm. They are. But there's some other, you know, but they are, they have been proven in the field mm -hmm. by some people I know that they actually track John. very well. Uh, well, Mark, Mark had, he was shooting a, a 50 cal at, uh, at 3K mm -hmm. with a Night Force comp. Okay. Well, wow. In an adjustable. You need all the he, travel you get with that he, thing. <laughs> yeah. And he, uh, he did show that it was repeatable for his, his needs. Um, it's not easy because you have to loosen some yeah, screws. It's not easy. It's but not then like there's some other, but it's robust. That's the whole point. It is. But then there's some others out there. I know Ivy is one of them. I don't. I'm sure there's more. Yeah. There's been back in the day. Well, back uh, I guess probably about 20 years ago, there was some guys out in Colorado shooting prairie dogs out to you know he just he he got out to 3,000 or so. Jesus. Uh, and and a prairie was, dog at 3,000. I believe so. Yeah. It was there was two guys. I think Craig Slack was one of them, and uh, Bruce Artis maybe is really pushing my memory. But they were running. You're like, over 40 well, there was now. a guy. It's okay. it's there start was to there, one of them was actually running a 308. <laughs> what? 308. What? I, I don't remember. When what does Colorado legalize weed? <laughs> I was going to oh, say this is starting this. to turn into the big fish story. Right. It's the, yeah. I caught a but, bass about this right. big. Now, we're but they were doing it yeah. 20 years ago, and I remember one guy was running a 308, and one guy was running a 338 imp, and. Mm. Uh, I believe they got past 3K on a prairie dog. Jesus. If I recall correctly. But they were just, they Eventually. were using these. Yeah. yeah. These, uh, now I believe a defunct company um, mm. with a, an adjustable field, adjustable mount that had mm. about five inches of travel. Yeah. Um, but so there's, that's another way to accommodate the travel beyond the prism mm. would be adjustable mounts. Yeah. Which one of them's going to be needed, you know, beyond yeah, you 2,500 be, yep. yards. You're going to need something. Yeah. So, um, unless you've got that black water round, right? I did. I did get some data. <laughs> I did get some data on that. Now, there, there's not a whole bunch of information surrounding that round, but I'm going. I'm mixing some information together. So, just just in case. So, they claim a 420 grain bullet at 35 freaking hundred feet per second. <laughs> so, uh, since they Laser. don't since they don't list what bullet that actually was, I found a substitute made by, I think it was uh, Cutting Edge. They have a 420 grain MTH. And uh, with a 398 G7BC, some other inf info on that, you're looking at a 3,000-yard drop of 24.7 mils. That's exactly what my 6.5 did at 1,800. <laughs> <laughs> so it's almost half. It's a little better than half as good. Yeah. Um, it's... Uh, Let's see, the 1,000-yard drop, I already told you. I, I told you I what it was. Four, did, did you I, guess? I, yeah, you I were in the room. four and a half, I think. Yeah. It's 3.6 <laughs> <laughs> mils. That's 11 and a half MOA. Uh, that's that's, that's like that's 308 wicked. at 500. Yeah, that's wicked. That, that's yep, about yep. that sort of level. I mean, that is unreal. 2,000-yard drop, uh, let's see, 11.2 mils, 38.6 MOA. And then it goes, it it. it Starts transonic, Mach 1.2, at 2,700 yards, and it's subsonic by 3,300. <laughs> that is wicked. Drag, dragster. That, yeah. is, that is a dragster round. I mean, we, 
the cases are two part. It's it's aluminum and steel. Steel. Yep. And uh, the bullets are are going to have to be CNC turned solids. So, I mean, what's the the cost of brass on that? It's got to be. It's going to be like what ten bucks a, a piece, and the bullets Probably. are going to be three four dollars a piece. Let me, let me pull my pound of powder for one shot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when I was when I was seat. loading uh, uh, Shytac, I got forty rounds per pound of powder. I think that's about right. Yeah. But, That's uh, kind of what you hear, guys. It's about 40 rounds per pound of powder. Yeah. Now, one thing I, I do like about the 375 versus other rounds like the 416, the 50 cal, is I can use almost a normal press, and I can use normal rifle magnum primers Yes. versus specific 50 cal press, specific 50 cal primers. I do like that, um, but uh, it does make that reloading just a, that little bit easier to find components for, especially now when primers are more expensive than gold. So and finding pro- and, it's, and it's a sweet spot on mm-hmm. recoil and user interface side of things as well. Yeah, because the 50 cal, people like the idea of the 50 cal getting into it because it's 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 big. It's it's the biggest. It's the best. It's the it's the highest number. Now, uh, if you shoot a 750 grain Amax, it's a that's a pretty middle of the road match round for the mm-hmm. 50 cal. Um, it has a G1 BC of over one. The the G7, I don't know what it is offhand. I'm sure it's pretty darn high. But um, it's just too slow. It's too lazy. A 375 is going to be about 400, 500 feet per second faster with a very slight reduction in BC for some of it. This mm-hmm. was years ago when I was shooting it, so there's, there's, there's new bullets out now. Shooting of inside of it with less recoil, basically. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, um, people need to just consider all of those different things. Well, yeah, you're balancing. I mean, really, you're just fighting wind, so yeah. you got to balance all of those things against... What's bucking the wind the best? Fighting wind and consistent muscle velocity. Absolutely. And I was going to say, since we've really been nerding out here over <laughs> data, let's get into something cool. Jason's, let's talk about rifles. Yeah, Jason's been eyeing up this bipod here since I put it down with malicious intent. Yeah, let's talk. Let's start getting into the cool stuff that <laughs> that we're not sitting here being a bunch of nerds. Let's talk about this bad boy sitting on the table and what else we yeah. can grab. So for those who are just uh, listening, it is a Kadex. Or just woke back up. Or just woke back up. Yeah, <laughs> a Kadex Shadow in 375 shytac 32-inch barrel. This is this it's color. Shadow in Stealth Shadow. Just it, Don't spoil the joke, <laughs> a-hole. Ugh. Anyway. I just realized that. It's actually a, a Kadex uh, Stealth Shadow. And the model name is called the Shadow, so it actually works out pretty well. Justin, I'm pretty sure you can edit that and clean that up and make sure that I get credit for that joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, it actually matches pretty well, because this is Cerakoted, right? This chassis? Isn't it? should be. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, they, I think it is. Cerakote, all and stuff. the scope is, is not Cerakoted. It's anodized. And you can't... Re- and that's hard to get to match, but I think they've done Always. a really good job of, of uh, getting this to match pretty darn close. Mm-hmm. The, the color tone is just right. It's just the sheen that's mm-hmm. a little bit different. But, um, but yeah, 375 Shytac. This and is a shadow. Tenebrex has worked on the matching caps. Tenebrex. This is when uh, we had the Canadians in uh, two weeks ago to uh, check these out. Now, the bipod is also a Kadex, and the reason I got it, Jason, is because it was the it's only the one. Nearest. It was the nearest bipod yeah. at the top of the bin. It's just so a little under bipod. It's a little under, yeah. So that's why they make the bigger one. <laughs> yeah, the Falcon. The regular Falcon. That's a Falcon Light, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. So a normal Falcon or a uh, Thunder Beast one would be good, but the uh, Falcon bipods, that's what we, that's what we would five collectively H put on. From Atlas. I'd go with the, the Super Cal over yeah. 5H, mm-hmm. personally. I've, nice. I've big, been big footprint. Big footprint, yeah. and I, I don't I like the the lever. 
That's what well, I. The, the full size Falcon has a big footprint as well. Yeah. It does. It does. That's why I just started running is that Super Cal, and it is a very nice bipod. We were playing with it here about it, two weeks ago. It is. It is. But yeah, this this rifle here, we did a video on its bigger brother, the uh, Tremor 50 Cal, about yep. a year or so ago. Um, fantastic rifle. So for getting into it for 375. Insanely accurate as well. Oh, yeah. This is definitely one to look at. A nice two or single stage trigger depending on how you look at it or depending on how you set it um also fits really nice on your back when you're going for a motorcycle ride <laughs> see people didn't like that <laughs> you wouldn't believe the comments people had i got they a new happy about it i have a new bike now because we'll it was too long we'll have to replicate yeah i get it that like 20 seconds not too it was one of our first it was our biggest our big premiere video at the time we we'll to have make to it look real cool we'll have to we'll have to do something now now that I got a, a, a new bike, people are going to like that too, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm still waiting to hear back from some guy that supposedly has a tank we can use for a video someday. <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah that, was, um, um, that was a BMP, wasn't it? Yeah. Soviet BMP. I have no idea where we're at with that. but We'll, we'll, we'll talk to our contact on that. Let's yeah. see where we're at because I still have that plan that we discussed <laughs> is still saved on my computer as far as everything and how we do it. So yeah. we're going to work on that. But, uh, yeah, back to the rifle. Kadex, this is a fantastic rifle. Um, they can build them in so many different colors. I think they have two different barrel length options, or is it just 32? They've got lots of options. Lots yeah, of there's options. tons yeah. of options. Yeah, so uh, definitely a solid platform for the job. Another awesome one, too, that talk about is the MRAD. And I've Barrett. seen it, yep, the mm -hmm. Barrett MRAD. And mm -hmm. with just being able, multi-role, having a 6.5, you can put a 6.5 barrel on it for training purposes 300 prc <laughs> training barrel. purposes well you see you have to realize how <laughs> absurd you sound when you take a a caliber that is that is very capable oh absolutely and you call it the training round well when you're this looking because this, this is my practice ferrari yeah exactly for when <laughs> for whenever you're talking elr for the sense of the conversation in the podcast we're doing today. It's all relative. I passed a Bentley ELR. on my way to work today. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's all that's, relative. That's, yeah. We can practice with the LR with the 22. I mean, you, you know, could. 22 I mean, dope at, uh, at 300 is about the same as a mile with yeah. a 300 wind mag PRC. But doing the 6.5, doing the 6.5 Creedmoor 300 PRC, especially for the matches that are out in Idaho, the Spearpoint Ranch in Kansas, mm -hmm. has a very popular rifle and cartridge for it. Mm -hmm. And then also you can do your 338 to join light class for ELR because there's a heavy and a light. So heavy is... Mm -hmm. Pretty much your race guns, your Ferraris, everything like that, your dragsters, where then your light classes, your 338s, such as a Kadex, your Barrett's. AI, man. AI. Uh, my buddy, my buddy George Ortiz has been doing lots of work with that 300 Norma. Speaking uh, of AI. AI. Yeah, speaking well, he of was, AI. He the actually AX50. won the last one with a, with a PR, 6.5 PRC. Yeah, I mean, the AX50 buddy teamed up with a 6.5. ELR. Yep. Yep. Is a rifle that we are. I mean, it's out now in, in the 50 cal. It's been out for a while. Yep. Um, I'm hoping that they get barrels and bolts and all Someday that. Someday sort of they'll have conversions to make Someday. it into a which will be awesome. bolt face. I will have grown a proper beard by then. Probably not. But um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> damn. Oh, that's that's a chalk one up for Jason. There's the whiteboard. Um, when it happens, and we're being as patient as we can, it's going to be a really, really sweet. Wheat rifle system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, 27 pound, 375, like the one you built, will uh, run quite nicely. 28 pounds, <laughs> mind you. But uh, but yeah, that would that would be pretty soft to yeah. shoot. And with the AI, I mean, that whole st stock chassis and multi cal, that's, that's going to be a really nice system. But yeah, even there. And that gets kids and ladies involved as well. When you talk about a nearly 30 pound, 375 with a break on. I'd put my nine-year-old behind it. 
after shooting yours. Didn't you? And I, sh- and I shot a four. Actually, I shot it back in 02, a Windrunner 408 with a brake. Ooh, that's like a, that's just like a, you, you went to Home Depot and got yep. a tube and uh-huh. put a scope on it, right? But the, the recoil on that was just incredibly low, much lower than I expected it? with a good brake and a, mm. and a 30-ish I mean, pound gun. Women, and they can shoot 50 cows. My fiance Skylar shot the uh, tremor, and it was just fine. Yeah, I wouldn't put my kid on that, though. Really? No, not at nine years old. No. Oh, he'd be okay. He shot some good. He's just a blast. He's just a There's recoil. A lot of He's a well, recoil softy like his dad. Yeah, it's the concussion blast that you're oh. getting I say the back. rifle doesn't really move a whole lot. No, it's, no. but you're getting all that gas. And, and he's only ever shot suppressed guns, so that would be a little tough. I <laughs> wish I had your nine-year-old's problems. Like, yeah. yeah, no, oh, you, I've you only ever Kiefer. shot suppressed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. So we are missing one brand that we do carry that is another very popular option, Desert Tech. Yeah, of course. I was going to say that. Yeah, I shot their HTI in the 50 cal orientation. So small. It is so small. So small. Um, Pretty cool yeah. when you have that much power in a 47-inch yeah. uh, rifle. Uh, it will 32 the of three. that barrel. Yeah, of course. So you have the the main four calibers: fifty cal, four sixteen, Barrett, four eight, and three seventy five. Twenty nine, not thirty two. Shy attack. Mm-hmm. Twenty nine, thirty two, whatever. But uh, yeah, that's bull prep rifle. It was a. It's a bit different. Similar to weight that we just talked about: twenty seven mm-hmm. pounds, I think, all up with the fifty. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not it's not any much lighter than some Similar of the other rifles the, out uh, there. Uh, no. But um, it's definitely nice and compact, which is nice. It's able to you can. Put a can on it, and you're at the length of a normal rifle. Yep. Just leave it intact. You don't have to get a special case for it. It fits broadside in the back of my Ranger, not like the the, the uh, Barrett that we did the uh, this video with 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 the Vortex. Got to take that thing down to fit it in anything. You can still drag bag it on your back on the motorcycle without folding it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we fold, we folded it when we rode it. We folded the stock on the case. Well, this doesn't have to fold, and it's still that length. I'll have to see if we uh, <laughs> replicate that just, just to troll people. People <laughs> didn't like that. They, don't, they also didn't like the way I pronounced the city in which these rifles were made. I practiced hard to figure that you know, one out. I, s- I looked up how to pronounce it, and I still... But you're still not it. French. So. But still not. You, you well, thank s- you. You said it in the video. I thought, man, he knows what he's talking about. That sounds legit. <laughs> I, and the world opened up on you. You <laughs> know what? <laughs> Screw those people. <laughs> anyway, yes, I so like... Desert Tech... Go on. As the it's another multi-caliber. Yes, another multi-caliber. But also, option. you know, multi-bolt face, which we have several mm-hmm. of those. Mm-hmm. And you can do anything. Well, there's guys out there doing custom barrels for them as well. So yeah, because really you can get the barrel endless. extensions yep. eventually. So Shytac 50, 308, Magnum, Lapua, all of those things on the on two guns, Desert Tech platform. Basically. Yeah, you can have two guns that do all that, which is very neat. So we're and coming up. They've pushed their guns. Beyond three, they've done a lot of uh, media on their side as well. Mm-hmm. I think pushing beyond three K. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, we're coming up close to an hour now. Uh, I'd like to hear you guys kind of tell a little bit more about your experiences personally in ELR. Personally, good, Jason. We starting on my end. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're gonna take up the most time. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I've been doing it the longest. Yeah, I was gonna say you yeah, got yeah. more. Unless his son was here, then he'd probably take more time. Than yeah, you. Well, he has killed groundhogs further than I have. <laughs> Actually, that's because he's but, a better shot. Well, than groundhog. <laughs> One, um, just one. One. But we were almost got another one. Um, so, well, I've been, I guess, say beyond a thousand started back in 02 mm-hmm. when uh, I had some random guys that I met on a forum come oh. to come to a field and we shot across the road. And uh, we went out to 2300 
Mirage was horrendous. It was a day like this, like 90s, mm-hmm. high humidity. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone hit at 23. We were hitting at 19 with a 338 Lapua. That's when I was talking about my 308 earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, 308 to 1400. And I, I landed the third shot in this 12-inch orange square that was in the middle of the plate. And I was like, all right, I'm done for the day. I was spotting the rest of the day. Yeah. So then we went beyond, went out to 1900, 2300, and we're making hits uh, at 19 with 338s. And uh, my, my old buddy Ed had one of those AR single shot 50s that you had to screw the breech plug in and out. Oh, God. Oh. It was like a muzzle loader, basically. Uh, that's, those are the ones that you see exploding <laughs> so, on the internet. You know, he hit the earth on the other side of the valley, but uh, with the amount of three minutes of time between each shot, it didn't really work out very well. <laughs> Reload. Uh, one second. <laughs> <laughs> so then. Uh, Got to hook a several drill back up. Slower there. than a Civil War that reload. That would have been a good one, yeah. Yep. Are those the type of rifles that you might want to keep a, a bag of gauze with you? Yes. <laughs> no, definitely you're not going to need a specific video on If it lets loose, you're not going to need gauze. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then uh, did another 2,000-yard session with Bob Beck when we did a, a segment for his uh, Extreme Outer Limits show. 6.5284? No. no. Well, no. So that was at the course we did the oh. next day. But for the show, he was running a 7-rum and I was running his 300 rum. So we were tracking <gasps> 0 to 1,200, or 0 to 2K. He had a, has an amazing range out in, uh, in Oregon. And we, we, it was interesting. We really saw the 7 rum kind of peter out at 18. Mm-hmm. So he was running uh, 180 burgers. I don't even know if there was hybrids at that time. I don't think there was. Um, pre-hybrid. And then 230s in the... Just the Toyota. In the 300 rum. Only the Toyota was making hybrid at that yes. time, yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, it was the the seven was was noticeably less reliable starting at eighteen, and then at that uh, at two k, I uh, made a second or third round hit on his plate I think which was a two foot square maybe, and then uh, when I talked earlier about the popper at eighteen mm-hmm. with a six five, which was just for fun, but I made a hit so yeah made a nice little group in the side of that if it had been like a full size silhouette there would have been. Far more on, but that was factory ammo. I was out of travel, so I had to hold over, but it ended up being about 25 mils. So, but really, 2000 is as far as I've made hits, right? But done a lot of work between zero and 2k. Just gonna send it fun. <laughs> I was gonna say, my experience is mainly on the side of ELR rimfire. I've done a lot of with the ELR rimfire side of things pushing the limits of them for 500 yard, but center fire. Um, I made an impact at 2k out in Arizona with 338, but in a past life that I've had, I've been around a lot of very high ranking, very well shooters in the ELR community, being able to pick their brains and everything like that. And seeing kind of the originate and talk with some of the founders of King of Two Mile and the guys in Texas and the Spearpoint Ranch stuff is very interesting just to sit down and talk and pick their brain about how this started. It's the same thing, too, with, like, I know Jason has some ties with the Precision Rifle Series at the beginning, which is really cool to kind of see how, just in the matter of a span of, what, 15 years, where we're at today with everything. But a lot of mine's spent behind glass. I haven't got to shoot much, so the environmentals, the data points, everything like that, a lot of mine, when I've been around those guys, has been behind the glass, which is still mm, which incredible. Is still it's yeah. insanely oh, yeah. educational, and it's incredibly awesome. We were talking yesterday in the office about what's the furthest you've seen a trace, and all of us came down to about 1,200. 12 and change. Yeah. 12 and some change, which is incredible. Seeing a thousand's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. 
I've actually watched a guy shoot a 4570 at a thousand one time. So what you do <laughs> is you you see it go <laughs> and you keep watching, and then it just comes straight yep. from the sky. I've um, seen the same thing yeah, too. Twelve eighty was mine, and that was at a private range. Yeah, mine I'll was behind a famous driver. Watching trace with binos. Yeah. Because yep. you're, yeah, as soon as you get oh, two yeah. eyes on, it's like you're inside that vortex. It's crazy. Yeah, yep. it is unreal to see that, to have that just slight depth perception is is ridiculous. Amazing. And it is, it's incredible. I difference. use the vortex kaibabs. Kaibabs? How do you actually pronounce that one? I don't want people, more people of the internet Who to come cares? at me on I this one. I can't officially kebab. say, but I've always ever heard I like kebab. it as kaibab. Kaibab. Okay. The 18 by 56, that's not the UHD, that one. And even 10s. Like yes. I'm, and get it, and what I've, and I've, you know, seen a whole lot of trace over a whole lot of time mm-hmm. and i'm always you know it's it's very it's the closer you can get right over the head with binos mm-hmm. yeah you're just you're just sitting there driving yep. the bullet it's wild yep. so you can't do it with 22 because no. it, they're gone without a trace yes <laughs> the furthest i've seen a 22 I could, t- I could see you over there thinking <laughs> yeah, about yes, that one for I, like I know two you minutes. could <laughs> i know you could but yeah, but, well, the good thing is you can just see the bullet in that case. Yeah. You can. That's that's just hilarious. And with yep. the sun, and speaking of it's educational, with mm-hmm. the sun behind you, mm-hmm. or bullet. to the side of you, mm-hmm. yeah, you see that little circle going down. Or I was up at the thousand yard range one time, mm-hmm. thousand yard range one time. I was at the opposite end of John Buhay, who yep. was. I'll, I'm going to touch on him real quick. I think he's the only one that has ever cold board that 3,500 yard target uh, in Raton. I think so. With a 375. Too. I think so too. Uh, but one time I was watching him shoot a th- like a 300 ultra back in the day or something, and I'm at this end and he's at the other end of the range and we're you know 100 feet apart and I just happen to look over and I see the whole side of the bullet go down range because the sun was behind us. That is a really cool experience. Yeah, that is. Lot has to line up for that. Yeah, to happen. I mean I'm like, literally 100 yards immediately to his right. Yeah, or not 100, 100 feet. And but like if you were 90 feet or 110 feet, you might not have seen it. Well, no, it's just a little different look, but seeing, right, seeing the whole, but the field of view mm-hmm. covered the whole distance. The sun was behind us directly on the side of the bullet. Mm-hmm. It was, it was wild. Mm-hmm. So Derek, uh, let's pass it on to you. You're kind of one of the ones here sitting here at the table that has actually owned a 375 shy attack and yes. has played with it a lot. I was instantly a better person than all of you <laughs> when I finished the rifle. Because you so, played with it. Yes. <laughs> no. Um, yes, I did. Build a 375 Shytac that was pretty much a clone of what you see here. I think this was before we started carrying yes, Kdex. Well before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so I started this project. This project took took like two or three years to do. Um, so I was uh, working for a guy in Florida named Scott, and he had access to this 2,000 some yard range in Central Florida in Volusia County, and uh, we would go out there every now and again to shoot his rifle. They were shooting six. Uh, hot, some weird hot 6.5 that I've never heard of and a 300 rum and we would just start at 1,000 just to get our feet wet and start moving it back when, from 1,000 to 1,500 but then to a mile um, then to 2,000 yards a little over 2,000 yards like 2050 or so um, but uh, I do recall with, with his 375 before mine was done doing a, about a 10 or 11 inch group at a mile with that thing. Now, what's funny is that that was a standing record for that sort of mini club at the time. Like two months later, so, some dude's daughter comes by and just smokes that record with like an eight inch group at a mile. Like you freaking suck. But um, yes, yeah, so we've, I've got a bit of experience with the 375, but uh, um, it's like shooting a 308 at 800 yards when you're shooting a 375 at 2000. The, the dependability of that round to hit that target is just ridiculous yeah 
and that thing, I didn't get a chance to to go any further with it, but on paper, it should have been a strong performer to 26, especially with being able to dial for that with the ATAC R that I was running at, at the time. Uh, so that was definitely a really, really fun rifle to have. Just to clarify what you kind of mentioned there. Yeah. 2,000, if you if you want to hit, if your goal is to hit 2,000 yards, mm-hmm. 375 is going to be the round to pick to do it most efficiently. Mm-hmm. So you're not getting beat up more than you have to. Mm-hmm. You're not wasting more ammo than you have to. It's going to be the most efficient 2,000-yard hitter. Would you all agree on that? I'd agree. Yeah, because... Because 338 is a little... It's not strong weak. at yeah. 2K. It's, it's strong it. at a mile. Definitely do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. in the same way that a 308 is strong at 800. Mm-hmm. But okay, not great at 1,000. Yeah. That's kind of what we're dealing with here. What what distance, I mean, what caliber do you need to hit 2,000 with a lot of repeatability, reliability, first round sh- shots? You know, right. what round to be strong at right. 2K um, and not really have to worry about too much? It's going to be the 375. Yeah. Um, but of course, you know, there's going to be people chiming in that they've shot, you know, they're 22 to 2,000 yards and made hits. And there, there's always <laughs> anecdotal. Like the guy with the prairie dog in the 308 and the yeah. eight second flight time. You, you can there's always sure. anecdotal evidence of you can do it for less, yes. And you can even do it fairly well for less with yeah. the calibers that we already mentioned. But if you're trying to hit 2K with that much. This will cause ease, you the least. Yeah, that's. Annoyance. The, the uh, 375 is definitely the way in. Yeah. So uh, one other thing I forgot, we had uh, gone to, a couple of us had gone to FTW a few years ago uh, with Swarovski, Collis, and Bergara guys, and they had at that time a prototype 300 PRC. Um, Ridgeback? Ridgeback. Yeah. And we had six or seven guys lined up there, um, and I was, I don't know, second, well, probably more than that because some other guys were in shooting. So I was second or third in line, and I shot. And we were shooting at a, the 1,813-yard target, I think. And this was Weirdly factory. Specific. Fact, well, people that have been there will know which target yeah. it was. Oh. I think it was a three-foot circle. Okay. Had a hit indicator on it. Mm-hmm. And so factory Bergar gun that retails under 2K. Mm-hmm. Factory Hornady ammo, which was all fairly new because this was three years ago, I think. Yeah, um, so it, it seems so long ago because I, I finished my 300 PRC right as COVID started, and the 300 PRC ammo went from $38 to a million dollars per box. Like all of it. We had all these guys lined up on the line, just kind of passed the gun down. And so after I shot, I just went to spotting with, they had Collis uh, 525s on all these guns. So mm-hmm. I think I was hitting somewhere in four and a half, five mils of wind because this was like a 20, 25 mile an hour wind. It wasn't full value. I don't remember exactly what the direction was, but... A fair amount. So I would just, I would go down, we'd pass the gun to the next guy, and mm-hmm. I'd start calling when I'm like, all right, try here. So I w- mm-hmm. was varying between, mm-hmm. I mean, we were maxing out the wind on that. So it was four to six mils of wind, mm-hmm. which is a lot if someone wants to do the math. You're way off the, yeah. um, on that reticle. So we yeah. just kept holding instead of dialing because mm-hmm. it was changing. So mm-hmm. we just go down the line, and I think more than half of the guys remaining hit on the first shot. Uh, I was very happy with my wind calling that day more than any other day in my life probably he has a badge to prove it <laughs> so um but then every everyone that didn't hit the first shot mm-hmm. hit the second shot mm-hmm. with that bergara rifle at that's 1800 awesome. with factory 300 prc ammo that's terrific awesome. so that's kind of another you know 300 prc 338s they'll do 2k mm-hmm. but this may be the thing to do it a little more easily mm-hmm. yeah. i mean that that if one could have seen that whole trace loop it would have been pretty interesting with six mils of wind <laughs> well i'm sure so 
you can do it for, you don't need all of the money in the world to hit a mile plus. Yeah, Nashville. cheapest way to get there. What do you think? Bergar in 300 PRC? Pretty much that's, yeah. that's, there. that's, that's about it. Yep, maybe an NX8. Yeah. Two and a half to 20, four to yeah. 32, something like that. Figure out the drop and what you need there. But Get her uh, done. Yeah, it should be there. And I don't know how far up we were. but So 4000 bucks plus scope and plus mounts maybe. So yeah, about yeah. 4000 bucks, maybe a little bit over after mounts and bipod and tax and that sort of stuff to, to hit with pretty good dependability at, three, at uh, 2K. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in today for another episode of Group Therapy. Please be sure to leave in the comments here what's your furthest shot you've ever made an impact on, what's your setup like, or future conversation pieces. If you want us to keep diving deeper into ELR, ELR, we'll gladly do that. So be sure to like and subscribe and comment below.